Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to IG2G. This is episode 34. I'm one of your hosts, Matt. With me, as always, is Eric. And hey, do you guys like robots? Do you like shooting things? Do you like puzzles and platforms and men who have, like, mushroom heads? And do you like movies about people with mushroom heads? Or maybe comic books or TV shows? Or do you like scandals that are going on in the world? Then have I got the show for you. It's called IG2G episode 34, and it starts in 3, 2, 1, go. Top five releases starting off this week what am i talking about this dropped on the 11th of july for only 30 bucks for the xbox one it is warhammer vermintide 2 now i've already talked about it on a previous ig2g this is the cool left for dead ish but you're playing a character with skills and you got skill trees and you got like cross different skill trees and all kinds of cool abilities and you're fighting weird rat monster things why am i talking about it again because now it's out for the xbox one as i just said it was out for pc earlier and it will still be coming out for ps4 sometime in 2018 hopefully soon because i'm itching to play it but if you heard about it on the previous ig2g and you were like man i can't wait till that comes to a console once well, now it's out on one of them we just got one more left to go so hit up vermintide 2 have yourself a grand old time with your buddies well, i'm gonna follow that up with another wonderful adventure in which you kill all sorts of alien robot bad guys i'm talking about mother gunship for the playstation 4 xbox one and of course pc released july 17th 2018 developed by grip digital terrible posture games published by grip digital what is this game all about it is a bullet hell fps game in which you go into randomly generated ships moving your way slowly to the guess mothership and you are taking out these bad guy aliens and along the way you customize your guns you can add all sorts of cool mods to it uh, you get three to four chain guns you can get saw blades you can get laser beams you can get all sorts of different weaponry the only cap is the parts that you have and the money that you have to build these things and of course the bigger and re- more ridiculous this is the harder it is to see your screen so you want to make sure you're clever with how you build other than that like I said, you just roll through these stages, shooting the aliens. They've got all sorts of different bullet bad guy types. You know, you got your suicide bombers, you got your your shooter from long rangers, you got your turrets, you got all that good stuff. If this sounds like something right up your alley, get out there, grab Mother Gunship. Next up in the number three slot, we got something that dropped on the 17th of July for only 10 bucks for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. This is an expansion. This is DLC for Far Cry 5. It's called Lost on Mars. This is the second DLC for Far Cry 5. The first one was some kind of like Vietnam era thing. This one, oh man, it's called Lost on Mars. What do you think, what do you, think you do? You like go to Mars and you hop around and stuff. So yes, you do go to Mars, you get a whole new environment and atmosphere and stuff to explore, you get all new maps and things, and this is all about, hey, you crash landed on Mars, you're trying to rebuild your robot buddy, you're trying to figure out what's going on, and there's all kinds of weird, like, spider alien things you gotta blast with all new laser weapons. Been hearing some good stuff about the weapons, like a laser shotgun that shoots out like a giant spread that bounces off all the walls as well. Kind of reminded me of uh, that shoddy from Borderlands 2 that we were rolling with. Conference call. Just just bullets. Just bullets everywhere. All the time. All you need is a conference call. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been hearing some fun stuff about this DLC. You also get a jetpack and kind of like a wingsuit. And the, uh, the Ubisoft towers come back like they always do because it's a Ubisoft game. But they, I've heard that the jetpack and the, the wingsuit make 
the platforming around those towers, you know, you get up to the tower and you unlock the area and you see all the icons on your mini-map. I hear that makes the kind of like the puzzle elements of the towers a little bit more fun because, you you know, like I said, jetpack, wingsuit, you're flying around, you're jumping, you're boosting, you're doing all kinds of fun stuff. I've heard that the quests themselves are not that great. Run over there, grab the thing, we'll go get some power cores over here to power up this thing. But it's a whole new environment. I mean, it's Far Cry. It's a crazy Far Cry DLC that takes place totally where you were not before. So like in the tradition of Blood Dragon, all the other good ones. So if you want some more Far Cry 5, you want to boot this up. If you have the season pass, you have it already. But if you only want to pay 10 bucks and jump around on Mars with crazy laser weapons and have a grand old time, check it out. Far Cry 5 Lost on Mars. Let's go ahead and reel this in a notch, everybody. We keep talking about individuals going around shooting things, shooting aliens, shooting robots. I'm going to tone it down just a notch here. And we're going to go to a beautiful title called Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, released July 13, 2018 on the Nintendo Switch and 3DS. This title was developed by Nintendo EAD Tokyo and, of course, published by Nintendo. Now... What's interesting is this came out years ago for the Nintendo Wii U, but of course, as we all know, the Wii U is a dead console that never made it anywhere, no one ever played it, so this is a relic of a forgotten time and a forgotten place. What this game is all about is just beautiful, fun, puzzle platforming adventure. You take the position or role of Captain Toad or Toadette, so you can be you know female too, and you go around these cool... Not not always square shaped, but just these cool environments in which you can rotate the camera around the whole thing, so you can see the many different angles, and of course uncover the treasures, the 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 coins, the stars, the power stars, which is your main goal. Of course, get the power star in every single level, and you go through over seventy different levels like this, just puzzle after puzzle after puzzle of you just navigating around no jumping so you have to figure out how to do it using switches and bridges etc etc while avoiding shy guys and uh, of course the goombas and everybody else and the really neat part is they brought back power-ups so you get like the twin cherries and you get the of course the stars etc etc to help you along the way and getting the power stars back and of course the coins and other secret treasures this game is a gem, and I don't know how... I didn't own the Wii U, but I don't know how I missed it. I didn't hear about this until they announced that it was coming to the Nintendo Switch. Oh, really? I heard about it back in the really? day, people saying that they loved it. I mean, A, that it was great, but then they loved the, the whole, hey, we're the Mario team, but we made a game totally around no confrontation and no fighting, no... Yeah, constantly running. Or, or yeah, anything. finding clever ways yeah. to avoid the baddies. I mean, that was, that's awesome. Mm. And I just, I just found these different levels to be so awesome. Because not only is it just puzzles, but some of them are like a pinball machine. So you'll, like, you'll jump up and you'll have to figure out, of course, where to hit yourself to get the different coins and stars and find the different slots. Very, nice. very, very clever game. If you love puzzle games at all, definitely take a look at Captain Toad Treasure Tracker for the Nintendo Switch. Now, hey, if you like puzzle games at all, you should also check out the Spectrum Retreat. This dropped on the 13th of July for $12.99, so super cheap for PC, PS4, Xbox One. I believe it's coming to Switch sometime later this year. This is developed by Dan Smith Studios, published by Ripstone Limited. This is all about kind of being a narrative-focused puzzle game. There's a backstory to this where, like, the intro is, hey, you wake up, you're in a hotel room, you open the door, and the ro- and a robot butler is basically there waiting for you. And he says, hey, Hey, you know, you got to come down here and relax in the hotel. And apparently what this is, is like a matrix style thing where you download your mind into this 
robot hotel simulation while your body is off resting or doing something else. And so, you know, as you're living these structured, boring lives, eventually you get a phone call from somebody who says, hey, I know what you can do. You can start unlocking floors. So every time you go up to a different floor in this hotel, it's basically a bunch of puzzle rooms doing all kinds of puzzles, mostly revolving around color. So like you have a device with you. I haven't watched much gameplay of it, but you have a device that can suck the color out of a block and replace it with whatever color you have. So if you have an orange block and you know your device is white, you can swap the colors and what you can do is walk through the blocks of any color you have on your device. So if you have a white device and there's a white block in front of you, you can pass through it, get to the other side, open the door, go on to the next room. So I've been hearing that the puzzles themselves aren't like super complicated. There are some that you can get yourself into an unsolvable situation and just have to restart the room. But I've also heard that the, you know, the puzzles are fun, but then the narrative is what really hooks people in. Because every time you clear a floor, you learn a little bit more about what's going on in the world, what's going on in this weird robot hotel simulation thing. The only bad thing I've heard is that the, the narrative and the puzzles don't really mesh together. It's kind of like, hey, it's time for puzzles now do the puzzles and maybe you'll find like a little diary clip in the room while you're solving it. The puzzles aren't part of the narrative you're unlocking. You're unlocking the puzzles to just get to the next story piece. And then there's more puzzle and then next story piece. It's, it's not like an overarching thing of, Hey, at least that's the impression I get of just, we've constructed these puzzles. So to solve the riddle of the place, you have to unlock the hints I put in, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? But that's the only negative I've heard about it. Just fun puzzles, really good narrative, and just uncovering that whole mystery of what this place is, what you're doing there, whatever the mystery is, that's the hook of the game. So if you like narrative games, if you like weird simulation things where you're in it, but you're not really in it, and what's really happening to your outside body, that's part of the thing that I'm I'm pretty sure is the hook of this game. But if you like narrative stuff and you like puzzles, you're going to like this game. It's only $12.99. Just pick it up. It's the Spectrum Retreat. Go swap some colors and meet some robots and have a great time. Number five. So as everybody knows or maybe doesn't know, San Diego Comic-Con has come and gone. And of course, all sorts of new TV shows, new movies, new cartoons of all sorts of things, comics, all that have come to pass. We're like, oh, everybody's pumped up, everybody's jammed. So I thought for a couple of my segments today, I would just go over two cartoons in this first one, then two movies later on. And I'll start off with two cartoons. This is the Imposter's Guide to Gaming, not the Imposter's Guide to Cartoon Television. Hey, well, you know, it's San Diego Comic Con. This is like a cultural pop event. Everybody's in it, man. We got to do it. It's important. (laughs) Or maybe not. This is true. (laughs) In the grand scheme of things, no, I don't know. No, I was saying grand scheme of things. No, it's not. (laughs) So... I picked two cartoons for my first one that I thought were really awesome and something I'm going to make sure I pay close attention to in the coming months. And the first one here is Disenchantment. If you don't know what this is, it is from the creator of The Simpsons, Matt Groening, venturing off into a fantasy-type storyline that's much darker than The Simpsons was. And, of course, you follow the misadventures, and I'm going to quote this here, you following the misadventures of hard-drinking Princess Bean, her feisty elf companion Elfo, and personal demon Lucy in the crumbling medieval kingdom of Dreamland. That is from the Wikipedia boom source itself. The trailer for this is awesome, okay? It starts off with the princess. She's about to get married, says no, and, of course, the prince goes, oh, and she throws the ring, and he slams his head back to go get it. Ends up on a, a Game of Thrones-type throne, slams his head right through a blade, 
and she's like ah, and everybody goes nuts and she jumps out of a freaking window to escape what she just basically did and then you find out that she's a she's a drug slash alcohol abuser right off the bat so you're like what is even happening right now so she escapes mm. with this little elf who has all sorts of magical abilities and he's a kind of like Dobie basically from Harry Potter he just wants to be free yeah, you wouldn't know anything about that I know man jeez he nope. just wants to be free and see the world instead of being enslaved and have to use his magic for the, the betterment of the people. So he tags along with her. And then, of course, there's this little demon, this little black, shape-shifting-looking little demon who just wants to destroy and kill all humans. And he tags along with her in hopes of doing that, I guess. I don't really know yet because I haven't watched any of the show. It starts on August 17, 2018, and of I believe it's for Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. I'm 99% sure it's coming out for Netflix. Cause Netf- I feel like that's yeah. right. I feel like I've heard Netflix that. is getting everything, basically. And it looks like, basically, you're just following her adventures as she tries to deal with the fact that she doesn't want to be a princess. She doesn't want to commit to the usual medieval-type things. But, of course, there's all sorts of uh, fairies, gnomes, trolls, dwarves, all your D&D tropes all mashed in there. And just, as I stated earlier, very, very dark, dark humor, which I can get on board with and I enjoy. So between the medieval fantasy stuff, the dark humor, and, of course, loving The Simpsons back in the day. Now, I, I haven't watched it in, I don't know, probably six, seven seasons at least, but old-school Simpsons. I was on board with. This looks right up my alley. It's a fresh start for me. So definitely going to be paying attention to that one. Now, my second one also comes from Netflix because Netflix is just amazing and I don't understand how they can keep doing all these amazing things but keep being told that they're like billions of dollars in debt but they're awesome. I don't get it. Whatever. doesn't Mm. matter. (laughs) It's called The Dragon Prince. And this one I'm going to quote from Netflix itself. Two human princes forge an unlikely bond with the elven assassin sent to kill them, embarking on an epic quest to bring peace to their warring lands. So, in the trailer, the elven assassin, of course, is stalking around, trying to get to the point where she can kill the the princes, and it never shows her killing them, then it shows them all of a sudden together, and it shows one little boy is using like his little his little pet, and releasing magic out. So you're like, okay, he's got magical abilities. And then there's this noble king being given a sword. And he's like, oh, there can be no good that comes of this kind of deal. So you're like, okay, huge wars are coming. Warring lands. Apparently there's two magical dudes who can summon dragons or use dragons or become dragons? Question mark. It still hasn't really stated how that's going to go. And then uh, uh, the opposing side's trying to kill the other side. Hence the elven assassin. Instead, they become friends, embark on a journey, as I just stated. Once again, right up my alley. I love fantasy. I love the animation, which, of course, I didn't mention, was the same individuals who were in charge of uh, Last Airbender. So, yes. So, they're, they're the ones writing this up and doing all the animation for it. So, if you haven't watched that, you're a crazy person because the animation and the story is awesome for that whole series. And this one is just going to be more of the same in my book. You got dragons. You got medieval fantasy once again. You've got elven assassins. I love elves. I love humans. I love dragons. What's to say no about here? I don't know. You're a crazy person if you say no. Well, I'm already a crazy person because I've never seen 
Avatar Last Airbender. God dang it, man. So I'm, I'm just... I'm just going to say no, because okay. I'm already established as crazy, so I can do whatever you say a crazy person can do. No, <laughs> well, you're gonna fi- you can fix this. You know what? September 14th, when this comes to Netflix, you can just go and binge watch all the episodes and fall in love and be like, yeah, I am part of that. I'm, this is great. Or you can say it sucks, you didn't like it, and then drop off after an episode or two. But whatever. True, September true. 14th, there's your chance. It's essentially free because I'm never going to stop paying for Netflix. Mm-hmm. So why not check out a few episodes? Might as well, as you always tell me. <laughs> That's right. If it's free, just do it. Just do it. Number four. Now, I'm going to take it back to the world of gaming because this is Imposter's Guide to Gaming, not to television <laughs> and movies and pop culture events. <laughs> so, so what was the biggest story of last year, what would you say? The biggest, most controversial story of everyone was just losing their minds over last year. That's right. It was loot boxes. It was Harambe. talk about loot Harambe boxes. Harambe the monkey. That was, a couple, that was more than a few years oh, okay, ago. Okay, well, I'm old. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But if Harabi was still alive, he would not like loot boxes, and he would have been up in arms, too. He would have been up in gorilla arms, just That's going right. ape. So it's time to talk about loot boxes once again. I'm going to start it off good, and I'm going to segue with loot boxes into like some negative stuff. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. You guys will love it. Check this out. So Middle Earth, Shadow of War, which is one of the biggest loot box controversial games from last year. Everyone was like, oh my god, you're breaking the game. You got loot boxes in. You get high-level orcs, blah, 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 blah. They've now finally taken those loot boxes out of the game microtransactions are gone you can't buy loot boxes and buy new orcs which wrecked the end game and what they've also done is with their latest patch they've improved that end game quite a bit they've added all kinds of new stuff for you to do because apparently just reading off of the press release or the article write-up that i read about it apparently you couldn't continue on after the credits like you can in so many open world games I mean, usually it just resets to the last boss or right beforehand. But this says, you know, they've introduced an endless mode that allows you to keep playing after the credits roll. And I mean, you know, armies of orcs versus armies of orcs. Why wouldn't you want to keep that going, especially with that cool nemesis system? Just keep that rocking, keep that popping, get new orcs with new abilities. Now you can totally do that. So props to you, WB and the Shadow of War team. You're doing a good thing. You took the loot boxes out, which everyone's happy about, but everyone's forgotten about your game by now because the, the outrage has boiled over, and then they went, okay, we, we forgot because that's how the world works nowadays. More on that later. But you did a good thing. That's good. Now, unfortunately, spinning it back down on the downslope here, loot boxes have come to Street Fighter V. Now, the only good thing about this is you can't buy them with actual real-life human currency. You can only buy them with the in-game fight money currency. But that has its own big downfall, and that's pretty much the main point of this whole segment as I'm going to talk about. Capcom did something really weird with Street Fighter V and the Arcade Edition is they have their fight money, kind of like the the gains and rewards that you're getting, they have it skewed like a free-to-play game where the more you play, like with a certain character, you level that character up, you get XP, but those rewards just keep trailing off the more you play that character. So... You know, you can unlock everything with fight money, and when you're going through those first two levels, you're like, oh man, I'm getting fight money out the wazoo, I'm unlocking three or four characters, but if you keep playing with that character, your awards just taper straight off. Like one of the examples they said is, hey, once you're at a certain level, if you play online and win a match, you get 50 fight money, but most of the cosmetic items and stuff you can unlock with fight money are at least 5,000 to like 20,000 to like 100,000 fight money. So you have to like play thousands of games over th- hundreds of months to even be able to unlock 
like a single rare thing. And now loot boxes are coming too. So it's it's kind of a good and bad scenario here. Like it's good that you don't have to save up so much fight money for something specific, but now it's now it's a dice roll. You can pay a smaller amount of fight money for a chance at maybe unlocking something you want or you grind 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 forever to get that exact thing. Polygon had a really good article all about the the whole in-game economy of Street Fighter and how bad it is and how they've been progressively making it worse. Like there were events that there was like the survival mode and if you ground through that it would give you fight money. Now it doesn't give you fight money. They were weekly events that would give you fight money. Now you have to use that fight money to get into another weekly event that might give you a chance at getting something else. It's just like, I don't understand how this happened. It's, it's geared toward being like a free-to-play game where you would have to buy fight money with real money, but you can't do that. I'm 100% sure that will come eventually just because of the way they're skewing this whole thing. But as it is now, I think you can buy like new characters right off the bat, but if you didn't want to do it that way, which is what they promoted, hey, you can unlock all the new characters with fight money. You can unlock anything with fight money. But we've dialed it down so far that you could not possibly do that. And at the moment, you have no real recourse to that. So it's just, I feel like you're just just driving that car straight into that brick wall, and then eventually you're just going to hit it. And if they don't have a real money microtransactions, which people hate anyway, there's going to be no reason to keep playing the game because you will never be able to earn enough fight money to unlock these things it's really strange when i was diving into that article i was like how could how could you do this so badly it's funny that you mentioned this because i feel like the western developers have been warring with the loot box thing for a while now and if as you mm. see it's not going well and now they're all starting to say you know what f that f it we're just getting rid of loot boxes completely and it's it's interesting to see that an eastern developer now is like loot boxes and, and and it feels like they're kind of giving it the uh the mobile treatment like yeah. they're trying to get you to grind and grind and grind to grind to just stay alive and stay on and of mm. course for western audiences in particular that's not going to work because we don't we don't yeah. we don't consume games the same way the eastern side of the world does anyway and put and to boot we've just had this huge war on loot boxes as you already talked about in the first place so mm. That's very interesting to see it. They're like, hey, yeah, look what we're doing. All. And we're like, no, 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 no. And it's really weird because in that article they said, oh, they just released this new skin for Cammy based off the old, I think it was, Cannon Spike video game for like the Dreamcast for forever ago. But it's so pricey that there's no way you could get enough fight money. So the, the author of the article did buy a bunch of loot boxes, and he finally got it, but he still ended up spending like three weeks worth of fight money that he could earn. So it's just this weird scenario where, as they put it in the article, fight money's worth too much to bother spending on anything right now. Like, you have to earn it, so you could use it, but you can't use it because it takes so much to earn it again. Mm-hmm. Like, I really want Ryu to have a blue costume but I can't justify in my cost-savvy brain buying it, even though I can buy it right now because it took so long to get this money. I'm just like a dragon on I gotta, my hoard. I got to hoard it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's, <laughs> it's, it's I just know ridiculous. that mentality well. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> just keep it. Keep it all the things. Well, no, we don't need it. We don't need mm-hmm. it. <laughs> oh, that's it's just good. weird and interesting to see not only loot boxes popping up and going away, but that people still don't have... Full-priced games in-game economies, right? 
Like they keep dialing it down to make it worse, but they don't have a viable solution yet. And the only viable solution is loot boxes, which everybody hates. It's just bizarre. There you go. There's your loot box report from Reporter Matt. Let me take my press pass, you know, just stick it in my brim of my hat here. You know, trench coat, my old old style camera with the big flash bulb on it. It works. It's just, I'm terrified because I feel like this is what's going to happen. We just went through the whole shambil with the Western development side of this whole thing. And I I Mm. feel like we're in a coming wave where we're going to, it went that way. Loot boxes were great. Loot boxes are the thing. But we've already Mm. gone through that loot boxes aren't the thing and we're getting rid of them. But they're only on the wave of that loot boxes are the way of the future. And so we're about to get a whole slew of loot box crap in Eastern, you know, style games coming back yeah. at us. And then that's going to have to be another wave going back, going, oh, they actually hated all that and didn't like any of it. Oh, crap. And to that degree, who knows? I haven't heard anything on the Eastern side of what they think about loot boxes. Because if they love it, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're the right. Whole, all the Eastern developers will just keep doing it because your core market right there loves it. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Western market is a huge market now, more so than it used to be. But still, oh, they didn't like it. Yeah, but everybody here loves it, so ching, ching, ching. I'd have to do more research, but I think the Western market is actually larger than the Eastern market for video games at this point. But I'm not 100% on that, so I'm not going to even touch that with a nine-foot pole. I'll just say, I think that's the case, but I'm not sure. So it'll be interesting. But you're right. Either way, if the home wants it and the home loves it, it's easier just to cater to that than it is to be like, well, what's, what do the people over the ocean want? I don't know. Who knows what the hell they want? Number three. Now, taking it right back out of gaming, because you know what? I don't care about no video games right now. Ooh. There ain't nothing Ooh. going on in video games. San Diego Comic-Con just happened, and they had trailers for movies galore. I'm going to throw two at you that I think you should go watch. And if you don't want to, I don't care. Go do it anyway, because I said so, suckers. The first one is going to be Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, coming in 2019. Oh, yes. This this new trailer. Oh, look, it's a Harry Potter spinoff. Let me... <laughs> oh, my God. I hate you, man. Fluff up my pillow, I hate man. you so bad. I hate uh. you. So... <laughs> This takes place, of course, after the first Fantastic Beast. You're following Newt Scamander once again. But the beauty of the story is it's fleshing out. <laughs> God, how can I do anything when you roll your eyes the whole time? <laughs> what could I do but shake my head to a name like Newt Scamander? Newt Scamander, but man. For God's sake. He's amazing. What do you want from me? Jeez, oh, Pete's. This is why I could never get into the Harry Potter books. <laughs> Stupid names for things. Ugh. Uh. The beauty of this second story is it fleshes out the story of Dumbledore. You get to see him as an actual teacher in this one instead of just the headmaster of Hogwarts. And as a younger man, you get to see him trying to influence Newt or convince Newt to help him take out Grindelwald, who's the big baddie that came along before Voldemort did. What's really, really interesting is that in the olden version, you know, the original Harry Potter series, there was a mirror and... Harry, of course, was looking in the mirror and he sees his parents because that's what he wants, desires the most. And that's what this mirror does. It shows you what you desire the most. And he asked he asked uh, Dumbledore, he said, hey, you know, what do you see in this? And Dumbledore gave some flipping answer, you know, being goofy and whatever. And then in this, in just the new t- teaser trailer, everybody got to finally see what he saw 
in that mirror, which was Grindelwald. And you find out that Grindelwald was an actual, like, good, good friend of, of Dumbledore's before they got, you know, a difference of opinions on how to go about handling uh, muggles, which are humans, normal humans, base humans, the non-magical type, Matt, you know, like you, you muggle-born fool. <laughs> you say a word like muggle to me, I'll just slap <laughs> you across start, the face. Said, Get I'm, I'm going to call you muggle from now. <laughs> hey, muggle, come here. So, any of those, that was a really interesting little, you know, Easter egg for everybody that's been wondering all these years what he actually saw in there. And it was confirmed that Dumbledore's gay, and so there's the implication that he's actually interested in Grindelwald, was interested in Grindelwald in more than just a friend way. So, therefore, the whole teaser makes sense because he keeps telling Newt, I can't deal with this myself. You have to do this for me. And that's because he loves Grindelwald, even though Grindelwald's insane and going nuts and wants to kill all the muggles, da-da-da-da, you know, typical bad guy stuff. The teaser was packed full of cool little Easter eggs for everybody to listen to. You got to, for everybody to listen to, for everybody to watch. And then on top of that, you got to see new handling new monsters, which is what, that's his whole shtick, is handling beasts and monsters and doing all that. You get to see him interact with his old girlfriend again. So now you're interested in going, oh, man, how's that going to pan out since it ended poorly because she became a bad guy long before, you know, the beginning of the first one. All sorts of cool stuff. If you watched the first Fantastic Beasts and you liked it, you need to check out this new trailer because it's, fantastic and i recommend it to everybody and if you haven't watched any of this stuff go back and watch them or read the books and then go watch the movies the the universe of harry potter is a wonderful magical place to be for both kids and adults i'm just saying just saying just saying man you know don't hate hey it's not it's not for (laughs) me i don't i don't hate it i did back in the day when it was all anybody was talking about and be like Oh, leave me to my Battletech books. I need to read my sci-fi with PPC cannons and all this other stuff. I don't hate it. It's just like so many games out there. It's just not for me. So people who enjoy it, hey, go nuts. I'm glad you guys have cool trailers and teasers. That's right. And the second and last one that I really piqued my interest was Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And I hope you watch this one, man. I hope you watch this one. I keep seeing it, and I'm like, I'm going to watch that the next time I'm not at work or I have free time or I'm this or that, and then I always forget. So not yet. Dang it. So sell me on this trailer. All right. Sell me on it. So it's directed by Michael Doherty. I don't know names. I can't tell you. All I know is it's- You just a- lost me. Whatever. I don't exactly. care. Exactly. Right <laughs> so, Cut on. Move on to number one. The this important is- part is it's supposed to be released May 31st, 2019, and it's a sequel following up the, the other one, but- what really got me was I, I the other one was cool. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the last Godzilla, but you very rarely got to see him. Most of the movie just revolved around the coming of Godzilla himself and what what happened to take place to get him to come out. This one is all about the monsters. So what happened is some kind of cataclysmic event takes place because humans have plagued the earth and so the earth released a virus to destroy us all and everyone gets wiped out there's you know people are dying everywhere and some crazy kook lady says hey she's scientist we got to release the titans because of course now they know that godzilla exists we've got to release all the titans and they'll fix everything for us because that's that's what that's what's supposed to happen so 11 from um stranger things um, yep. Mila, what's her name? M- Millie Bobby Brown, something like that. 
Uh, something like that. Something like that. I, I, I'm terrible <laughs> with names, man. Eleven from Stranger Things. She's eleven. Things. Yes, exactly. She's she's the daughter of this kook scientist, and apparently one of the main characters, obviously. So they're going around to all these different places, and they're finding they got Mothra in there, they've got Rodan in there, and then the three-headed monster king, uh, Ghidorah. Ghidorah, is that how you pronounce it? Ghidra, whatever. It's probably like Ghidra. Yeah, Ghidra, yeah, there you go. Ghidorah is That fine. sounds fine. So they go around, find these monsters, and then they release them. And then she's, she's telling all these people, you got to release all of them, and that's how we'll save Earth. But apparently... Obviously, everybody should know what's going to happen. This is going to go south mm-hmm. real bad. And these monsters actually start just killing and murdering everybody. And it's up to Godzilla, king of the monsters, to come on out and actually save mankind. Because that's what his job actually is. Mm-hmm. And wreck ha- wreak havoc, destroy, mangle, and kill all the other bad monsters. And they kind of make it so you don't really know... Who, who the bad guy is, like, human-wise. Like, if she's actually mm. really thinks that by releasing them all, that's how she saves everything. Or if she's just a maniacal, insane person who all along was like, yes, wipe out the human race because all we've done is hurt Mother Earth and we want to, you know, we don't know. And, and then, mm. of course, the teaser has Eleven at one point going, you're a monster. And it's kind of implied that she's talking to her mother, but you don't see that. So I feel like it's just going to, you know, it's just a play to get you to start thinking in a certain way yeah. so that way your expectations are thrown off later. Either way, seeing these monsters, you get to see Rodan flying over, obliterating whole area. You get to see Mothra coming up and touching Eleven. And, and of course, you get to see the shadow and the smog of, of the three-headed beast himself. And then Godzilla comes mm. out and shoots flames up into the sky in Godzilla fashion. And epic music's playing throughout the whole thing. Fantastic trailer. Just looks incredible. You need to see it. Even if you don't like Godzilla, just go watch the trailer. Maybe that'll pump you up to see it. Cool. And that's like it, it, man. That's it. Those, those, that's all you got to see. Those two, those two trailers, and then the other two. I said, and that's pretty much the gist of it. All the other crap, whatever. Number two. Now, next up, we got Matt's cease and desist special. I got two stories about cease and desist letters, and the one is way more interesting than the other. But I thought the first one had a little bit of, just like a tiny little piece of meat I could chew off of that bone. First one up is. Apparently, it was big, uh, big enough news to get on Polygon. Two of the biggest sites that offer ROMs have been cease and desisted by Nintendo. One being, what is it called? Love ROMs and one called loveretro.co. Uh, one of those is completely down, but the other one is staying up. All they did was take out all their Nintendo-related titles. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, I mean, obviously, Nintendo can say, hey, cease and desist, this is our IP. But everything else up there that's not ours go nuts man and as as of the time of the article was written they're still up so it's like i don't know i thought that was kind of interesting it was just well that makes sense this is our stuff take it away okay everything else up there it's not our business but like does that like go to sega next like do they hey guys heads up stuff's over here because we partner up all the time or is it just like yeah well if they find it they find it and if they don't they don't Oh, that's kind of weird. I think it's going to be if they find it, they find it. If they don't, they don't. Because, honestly, I don't think that the video game publishers, the big dogs, all talk and collaborate at all, really, for the most part. So if they find something over at Nintendo, it's not like they're going to be like, hey, heads up, this place is doing this and this. There's like, nope, solve our problems, fix our business, 
get your heads and eyes pointing in the direction to keep us safe. They're not going to be like, hey, the guys we pay millions of dollars to every year to keep our, our products secure, hey, help out Sega over there, help out Square over there. No, they're let them die. We don't care. That's competition. I mean, I guess that's true, but you just think of it as like, I mean, your legal department keeps your stuff under control, but since these are, I mean, Sega and Nintendo partner up all the time, like literally all the time. So you'd think there'd be a lot of either muddy waters in which they'd have to let them know because Sega property was in, in introduced in this Nintendo thing. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I just thought that there wasn't much to talk about with that, but I thought that was at least something interesting to think about. Like you would think you would be like, Hey, put in a good word over here. Even though we're competitors, it's not like we want everybody to just burn and die and the industry to go away and us just be the only ones. Even though as a capitalist, that's what is what you want. I don't know. Whatever. I just thought that was a little bit weird. It is weird. And taking it, but I'll just say, yeah. no, you do want everyone to burn and die and you'd be the only one giving out everything and getting all the money in the whole world. But you don't say that. No, you, you just, just don't, don't say, say that. No. You just let that go. Exactly. That's why you just let it slide. <laughs> And then this, <laughs> and then the next one was inevitable. If you guys remember the last IG2G, I talked about Detention, the weird survival horror game, and then I said, oh, hey, and also on this service called, I think it was Game Joust, something anyway, but I was like, hey, there's two PT PC remakes in the works, and there was one that I think it was Polygon had a really good article all about, interview with the creator, talking all about his process and all this other stuff. And I, I knew it. As soon as I read it, I was like, I should go download it because I'm 100% sure that's going to get cease and desisted like within five days of that article coming out. Sure enough, it has happened. But what's interesting about this is the, the developer, the guy who was working on it, like a 17-year-old kid who was just doing it in his free time, he wrote up this big, long blog post all about the process and what happened with it. And it's interesting. I'll get to it a little bit later. But he was saying, you know, hey, he, instead of just an email saying, cease and desist, take this down, we're going to come get you. Apparently what happened is someone from Konami called him up and was like, hey, look, I work for the legal team. You really have to take it down, but I'm also going to be super polite about it and super personable. And apparently in this blog post, he says, oh, they kept saying that you know the remake was a big hit all around the development team, the development studio, and everybody loved it. Everyone was so proud of it and thought it was so cool. And it really got him interested in like making games again. And oh, man, and after he buttered him up after all this long time he said yeah and they even offered me an internship so i can go and learn how to make games and all this stuff because i so showed so much potential that it made them want to get back into the video game market and i was reading this whole thing and i was like i mean a if true that's cool but the the other thing that kept picking in my brain is in that polygon article that i read and i didn't have a chance to get into it on the show as much as i wanted because detention took up the biggest part of that that topic piece specifically in that article from polygon about this kid he said hey and if i get cease and desisted which is pretty likely going to happen don't worry i'm going to finish it and i will personally email a copy of it to every single person who follows me or requests it so they're like wow that's super cool this kid's really awesome and he's going to get around the system so, of course, as a result of this big blog post, his very last bit is, yeah, I know everyone really wanted me to finish it, but I just really can't. So, you know, I'm just going to go off and have my internship with them and do all this cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I get it, yes, but that's so dirty. Why, like, 
why would you even say you were going to do it in the first place? And then, hey, look, we gave you like a little carrot over here. Okay, I'm not going to do anything anymore. Just that's, it's, I, I can't do it. Like, I get it, but at the same time, the whole time I was reading that article, I'm like, he's writing this giant article to basically apologize for not doing not what doing. he said he was going to yeah. do. Mm-hmm. It's all about number one. I mean, like I said, I get it, but I was just like, that's, you, you know you're doing something bad, and you promise that when the thing happens that you know is going to happen, you're going to work around it and get it out to people who want it. And then it happens, and you go, nah, I'm done. Oh, actually, they told me that I was going to get all sorts of cool, neat things if I just didn't do it, and I'm an amazing uh-huh. person, and so, yeah. Sorry, guys. Bye-bye. Lols. Mm-hmm. I'm out. But, of course, yeah. can you blame the kid? I mean, a company like Konami calls you up and says, hey, you got to stop that, but we like what you're working with here, kid. Come have an internship because we want to keep a good public image. Or maybe, you know, on the optimistic side, maybe they actually legitimately did think he did really good work and did a fair job of mimicking uh, what was done before with PT itself. I don't know. I just tend to think it's more of a we need to gain face here. We need to keep keep the prospects high because Konomi's been in a poop hole for quite some time now, and they're slowly trying to get out of it, but... You know, something like this would be just another negative, and they're trying to spin it positive, and there's a poor kid who doesn't know which way is up or down (laughs) involved. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I was thinking is, you know, Konami is coming out smelling like a rose because, oh, man, they they saw my cool thing, and I'm sure they were impressed by what he did because from all accounts it was PT just totally remade with this kid's hands and his own skill. But, like, it, it just seems so disingenuous from the Konami side because you know they don't, they, they want to make pachinko games and they want to make gambling games. And I got a story on that in half a second here. But it's just, hey, this is the best way we can do it. We can offer him an internship and shut it down, but no one will care that we shut it down because we gave him this internship. Gave him a job. And how, do we get, how do we get around him saying he was just going to release it anyway, no matter what happened? Oh, uh, well, we're, we're going to give you this carrot. And if you don't do what we say, we can just go, whoop, mm-hmm. it's gone. So we're smart, and we backdoored it, and we managed to make ourselves look pretty good in the process. The Konami is like, it's like becoming Skynet. Like It made such horrible decisions before, and now it's learning how to make bad decisions, but also spin them just in the right way. That's just, right. Just in the right way. Keep that shiny side up. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it made me interested because I was thinking about this as I was – if anybody follows me on Twitter or Instagram, they know I went to the uh, Gun Lake Casino on Saturday. And I was thinking about it there because there were so many machines that, you know, they have a, a demo or an attract mode, just like the video slot machines have demo or attract modes, just like video games always used to. And every time I turned around, it seemed like I saw the Konami logo pop up, the little red swoop thing with Konami in it with on the white screen. And I kept looking around and going, holy crap, this thing that has no... You know, you think of Konami gambling machines, you think of like the the Metal Gear Solid 3 pachinko machine that we've seen the videos of that looks so awesome. But this is just like, you know, random Dragon's Bonus. Here it is. This video slot machine is just boom, Konami. It's it's already so deep in that it's here in American casinos in the programming, in the whatever. I don't know. It just really stood out to me because especially anytime I see that Konami logo, I think Metal Gear Solid. So I saw it and I went, huh? What? Oh, it's just Sparkle Princess Rainbow Slots. What? Oh, it's Butterfly Magic 3 over here. It's just weird. 
It's just so strange. I just think Castlevania, but you know. There you go. So you would have done that. You'd be like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Simon's Whip 3? What? No, no, oh, no. Oh, Dracula's oh, Curse. Revenge? No. no. Okay. No, sorry. I hate you, Konami. What'd you do? What'd you do? <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps up my cease and desist two pack. I just thought kind of some interesting stuff all around and Konami shining up their little turd and making it look cool. I don't know. I still don't buy it. Especially, yeah. Seeing this work from you made us interested in games again. No, they're a corporation. Mm-hmm. They're maybe people in the like some programmers themselves went, Man, I really wish I could work on a game like this again. Maybe that's maybe that's true, but a, co- a whole company, no, you, you they made that shift. That's phew, come on, I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't buy it, kid, and I don't buy it, Konami. You can't, you can't spin me. That's right. Shame on you. Shame on you. Damn it. <laughs> Number one. So to wrap the night up, we're just going to give a, a quick one-two opinion on a hot topic going around right now. Once again, this isn't pertaining to video games, but it's a big pop culture thing going on around San Diego Comic-Con. So I figured we'd toss it back and forth real quick, see what's up. And that's the fact that James Gunn just got fired from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Of course, he was the man responsible for the two previous ones that everyone adores and loves and has brought Marvel and Disney much fame and uh, adoration because that series, to me, is probably my top one at this point in time in the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's, it's pretty close to being top anyway. Yeah, I'd say across all the movies, that's probably my favorite franchise. Yeah. Even though it's still just a one-two at this point. Mm-hmm. But but it was going to be more. And it's still going to be more. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But apparently the gist of it is, is years and years and years ago, long before he was part of the whole Guardians of the Galaxy, Disney, Marvel Universe, he was making very forward jokes involving pedophilia, um, rape, stuff like that. And as time went on... Up to this point, apparently nobody noticed or cared, and he got hired on. He directed these films. He's Now he's loved. He's a whole different individual than he was back in the heyday. But it came to light because of a small little uh, newspaper or outlet, you know, internet outlet, whatever you want to call them. And then yeah. immediately Disney fires him, says, hey, we're not associating with him or that type of language and or joking, et cetera, et cetera. And here we are. And uh, I just wanted to kind of get your and my own opinion on where we stand on whether that's kosher, cool, bad, good, what the hell, what happened, what, where are you at, Matt? <laughs> I would say, I mean, if it was something he tweeted out right now, then I could see this harsh response, just immediate, no, okay, you're gone. But at what point does your past become your past? At what point does your past go behind you and people don't? ask for an immediate like you to immediately pay the price for something you did 10 years ago and they just say hey what's up with this and you would be you would have the chance to go that's not me anymore i was making crazy jokes i don't know i'm sorry and people would be okay it seems like more and more these days it's just hey remember what he did 20 years ago like that one joke he made hang him from the treetops because we can't associate with that well Everybody, I was a different person 10 years ago. You were a different person 10 years ago. We're all different people in our past. If it's, I don't know. I don't like it, but I can see why Disney did it, especially in this 
the society and weird scenario that we live in in this modern day and age that's my initial thoughts what about you Eric? so my initial thoughts on it are a big fat there's no way they should have fired him for this because even in real life there's a thing called a statute of limitations yeah. and it just goes back to exactly what you just said how far in the past do we go before the past is the past and i feel that since these comments were made Years before he was working on Guardians and, and working with Disney in particular, that these particular comments should be separate from who he is now and what he's working on at this point in time. And I agree with you wholeheartedly that if he had said that stuff while associated with Disney, while associated with this project, sure, you gotta you got to cancel that. you got to cut him off at the head and throw him to the ground and get rid of him because you don't want your image to be sullied. By that kind of, you know, uncouth, uh, you know, statement. You know, that that uh, that bad, that bad talk, okay? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so immediately I was like, this is bad news, Bears. We This is not something we want to start doing. Because mm-hmm. as you said, everyone's, everyone's bad to an extent. And everyone has done bad things, said bad things at some point in time. And if we just start mm-hmm. going around cutting people off because of something they did seven ten years ago whatever it is it never ends i mean and, and i hate to be the you know oh, hollywood's evil but if you start doing that you're not going to have any directors you're not going to have anybody in the actor actresses guild be able to do anything because they've all mm-hmm. done shady stuff and been exploited or shown to have done something wrong in their past is that who they are now Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But if they mm-hmm. did it years and years ago and it isn't associated with what you're working on, I don't think there's, there's got to be some kind of protection there. Yeah, it, this is something we talked about a little bit on the 100th episode when we're talking about Hulk Hogan going back into mm-hmm. the WWE Hall of Fame. Like, how long does it take before you can be forgiven? But this it all ties in, this whole society and social media explosion that we live in of just nothing can ever be forgotten or forgiven. And I think this is prime example number one of that. Here's something you did, I said it already, but something you did 10 years ago when you were a totally different person and it just it affects who you are now just because of outrage on social media. And I teased it earlier, but I mean, I see why Disney had to do what they did because you can't have the current Disney name associated in any way with those kinds of words, but it's not a current event. It's only current because there's outrage about it right now. And in 48 hours, everyone's going to forget about it and move on to the next outrage thing. And it won't matter. That's just it, man. And see, that's that's the biggest thing here that bugs me about this whole scenario. Is you're right, Disney has to act because this was brought to light, and then the 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 culture, the masses on the internet, made it into a problem. So Disney mm-hmm. had to react. Now, instead of firing them, disassociating, and cutting them off, I feel that they could have easily just said, "We understand what's come to light." We have talked with James Gunn. We have extensively gone over his past, his future, his present. And we see that James Gunn is a is a different human being at this point in time. And then as you talked to me earlier about, we we, we looked over his films and his and his works in his earlier days and he was a much more he was a he was a much different individual back then. 
Okay, mm-hmm. and what the statements he made, of course, do not reflect what we value as Disney, Marvel, et cetera, et cetera. But back then, he was not with us. He was not working with us. He was going on a different angle. But he's a changed man. He does different stuff now. We feel that you as a society, the people, should forgive him for that in his past, move forward with him as he is now the director of a beloved series, Guardians of the Galaxy. And guess what? In 48 hours, everyone would have forgotten, moved on, nobody would have cared, and everything would have been great. And I still think the people that do pay attention and listen, myself, you, others, you know, a few others out there in the world, would have said, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Disney took that and did the th- not the thing that, that, w- that they ended up doing, that everyone wanted them to do, and instead went, mm-hmm. hey, look, no, that's the past. This isn't the man he is now. We're sticking up for this guy. We understand that that is not the right attitude to have. That's not the right things to say, especially on the internet, blah, 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 blah. But instead, forgave him and moved forward. And bada bing, bada boom. I think we're at the very most, hey, oh, we're going to go and interview the people who worked on Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. Was there any untoward actions? Was there any evidence of this coming up? You know, Did he make these really off-color jokes on the set and make people uncomfortable? Anything like that go down? And if the answer was no, then okay. you know, Your initial reaction, we're investigating this mm-hmm. to seeing if this is something that has continued into his work with us. And then if it didn't, Hey, you know, we've, he's shown that he's a changed man. We've talked to him extensively about it. He's provided that. And our research has shown that nobody has these issues with him later. Then great. And then if, Oh no, well, we found that he is still making those off color jokes. And Steve said he was uncomfortable and Bob and catering said he was really awful. Okay. Now, you can bring the axe down and say, it's continued. It's obviously a, something that's just repeating. That's fine. But instead it's just, well, you did it before, and who knows if you're doing it now. If you are a changed person, whatever. just Doesn't matter. Throwing you out the window. Have to respond to the social media pressure and just, there, look. But then now you make the anti-pressure come back with people like us. I mean, I don't really care, so I'm not going to tweet about, about it. But you get the backlash from people who want a more moderate reaction to it. Now they're mad at Disney because of this. It's just, I mean, it is a lose-lose scenario, but I think this was just the wrong way to go about it. I agree. At the end of the day, and it sounds like the actors who worked with him agreed. You know, Batista already was out there saying, hey, you know, I don't I don't dig what you did here. We don't, we, we love this guy, da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have all sorts of uh, polls right now and um, petitions going around saying get him back on board. So I feel like Disney acted hastily based off what they think the mass internet world would want them to do. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they'll kind of rewind that a little bit, back off of it a little bit and say due to the overwhelming responses or bring them back or something. Hopefully we'll see. Or at least like have him co-write the script. Because mm-hmm. obviously he was a big part of writing both of those movies because they have that signature James Gunn humor in them and it's going to lose a lot without him there. Mm-hmm. I, I would assume. That's how I feel. Yeah, anyway. I agree. So of course... Time will tell. I'm going to keep paying attention to it. I hope uh, some of you out there keep paying attention to it because I think this could have some ramifications going down the road. It just keeps diving further into an overarching issue we've maybe talked about or haven't with how the Internet and the world works these days. And just when they go get outraged about something, just pushing an agenda 
and instantaneous responses and it's just bad news bears. And now now you said that and spiraling out of control and things, it made me wonder if, I mean, obviously this is the worst case scenario, but if this keeps happening, maybe there's only a small stable of directors or talent or film crew or whatever that each studio is going to be able to feel safe working with. So you're going to get the same cookie cutter movies because, well, we know Bob is a good director. We trust him and we trust Sally and Bill and Ralphie to be our actors. And then that's, mm-hmm. you just got to keep doing it because we can't, we can't risk pulling this foreign guy because who knows what he tweeted out in a foreign language 18 years ago that might come back to bite us in the end. It's just, there's all these little things that could snowball into this giant preposterous and ridiculous with quote fingers event but if it keeps going why wouldn't it happen you're right i don't know it's definitely possible and i don't like it so hopefully it's reversed and this is a non-issue in the future only time will tell my friends only time will tell and until that time it's time to wrap up the show imposters wrap up so, hey, what do you guys think about controversial social media explosions? And you know what? Better than that, what do you think about movies and comic books and video games? What do you think about, like, shooting robots in a video game? I want to hear about that. I don't want to hear about all this other crazy crap. I don't want to hear about this off-brand movies and comic books and cartoon shows garbage. If you want to talk to us about actual gaming here on IG2G, you can do that via email, info at thirdshift.me. You can tweet at us at thirdshiftme, and you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift, damn it. Hey, and if you do love what you just heard because it was San Diego Comic-Con and it's a fabulous thing and everyone loves it, so get <laughs> out of your little grouchy pants mode, suck a face, you can head on over to our wonderful Patreon and be a patron with us. We treat it just like a tip jar, $1, $5, $1,000, anything and everything helps, keeps <laughs> the lights on over here at Third Shift. If you can't do that, we understand because money's a real deal. You got to make sure that baby's got them smashed up green peas, man. If that baby doesn't have that, you're in a lot of trouble. But you can also support us by giving us mailbag questions, uh, likes, five-star ratings, feedback on Twitter, Facebook, all the wonderful little social media outlets. Or, you know what? Just write an old-fashioned mailbag letter and send it to Matt's address, which I'll give you in a little bit in an encrypted mode so that way he doesn't know I did it. It'll be a fantastic thing. But until then, of course, we do appreciate all of our current patrons, and we can't wait to talk to you in the future. That's right. And hey, speaking of the future, this podcast drops every two weeks on Tuesday, so we'll be back in your ear holes on the 7th of August for our very next episode, unless the social media outrage explosion catches us and blows us all away and we have to just cut this podcast all together. But if that doesn't happen, you can find the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on Podbean. And as Eric always says, if you like what we're doing, you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services, because it does help us out, and we really do appreciate it. Indeed we do, Mr. Matt. Indeed we do. And we appreciate those five-star ratings on iTunes all so much. As you all know, the five-star saga continues. And there may be some new stories to be told very, very soon. And if you didn't listen to Third Shift proper, you might want to go over there and listen because we got a fabulous new story by the none other than the one and only editor, Danny herself. It was great. It was fantastic. Go check it out. And speaking of great and fantastic, you should have also checked out Third Shift Episode 100, a grand two-hour epic. All of our favorite things, all of our favorite people, all of our favorite everything in the whole world, all of our favorite us, all of our favorite things that we do. Go check that out. If you haven't heard it already, 
I mean, you're listening to this, so it should be in your podcast feed, so you should have heard it already. Go go listen. Have a great time with us. Crack a beer, like I say in the intro. That was fantastic. And another shout-out to everybody who contributed to that episode for us. Thank you very much. And then, unless you got anything else, now it's actually time to say... Don't, don't forget, forget to say... To say... To say.